This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. In Jesus' name, amen. Not your best shout ever. Oh, that was a good one. First John chapter 3, we'll start in verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters, we are believers. It proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has entered, or I'm sorry, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive for him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of the, his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave, he gave us lives in us. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Give God a hand for the reading of the Bible. You can be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we are in a series called Who Am I? And it's basically here's the thought, so let's just jump right in. The thought is what does it mean for my humanity to be in Christ. When people say, well, all you just need to become a Christian. If you become a Christian, your whole life's going to be good. Or, hey, if you just know who you are in Christ, then your life's going to be great. Or you should just get in a church. Man, everybody needs a good church. You should just go to church. And if you'll just go to church, your life's going to be great. And yet, although that kind of has truth to it, in theory, I think we all know that just being a Christian trying to figure it out and go into a church doesn't necessarily make for a good life. There's a lot of people who go to church and their lives are still broken. There's a lot of people who are just sick of church, been there, done that, don't want to do it anymore. It means nothing to me. I've been hurt. I've been broken. And uh, so I've been trying to go through my years of serving Jesus with what does this phrase mean to be in Christ. When, when I say I believe in him, what does it mean? Here's what we landed on the scripture that's been our scripture every week. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so nobody can really boast about it. We're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things He planned for us long ago. This has been our kind of theme scripture. And the thought the whole time has been that before you were ever born, God knew you. Before you ever had a mess on the earth, God knew you. Before you ever got hurt by somebody, got divorced, have an ex, got abused, got your heart hurt, God already knew you. And in that knowing of His divine mind, He saw you as a masterpiece and not a mess. That's what we've been saying all along. The problem of that is the masterpiece side is in heaven and the mess side is on the earth. And we've been trying to figure out how can God get the masterpiece to become a reality when I really don't know what that masterpiece is. It sounds good, it preaches good, but the reality of there's a masterpiece with my name on it of what God thinks about me and then I'm living this real life down here. And if there is God of a masterpiece, then you need to explain to me why my life is hell. And I think that's a valid question. And we tried to answer it over the last several weeks. But here's the thought. Look at the green word. The masterpiece and that I've really been holding on to is that there's a painting of you uh, in the eternal realm before you were ever born. And God's painted your life as a masterpiece. And though that is true, the only way to understand how it practically plays out here on the earth is it plays out with that the portrait, the masterpiece, the canvas that's in the eternal realm is not an individual painting of you. It is a painting of all of us together. That is the masterpiece. And your life is part of that masterpiece. So when I'm painting and I'm saying God's painting Mark, if I'm not careful, I will be down here going, God has this painting of me up there. And I need to become everything. And that's okay. I don't think it does, God doesn't know me. But the masterpiece is not individual portraits of all of us. The masterpiece is all of us on one canvas. And all of us on one canvas with the different colors makes up this masterpiece of us. So that, here's the thought. The thought is, I was never intended to become what God wanted me to become outside of relationship with other people. Never. I was never intended to become what God wanted me to become. I have to become what I am. Put that thought up and we'll let you see it. I have to become in relationship with other believers is where we realize who we are in Christ. You'll never get a true understanding of what it means to be in Christ doing life solo. Ticked off, bitter, mad at somebody and being a victim. You will never be who God saw you to be when you run every time there's a problem. Or you blame somebody. Because you are destined to be in relationship with each other. I wish, as I said yesterday, I wish we didn't have, last week, I wish we didn't have to do that. But if you really want to know what you're made of, hang out with people that irritate you. You will find out real quickly how spiritual you are, how godly you are, or how ungodly you are. 
Everybody in the room feels spiritual when we're alone. But you let somebody who irritates you, ticks you off, reminds you of a hurt, reminds you of some trauma. I don't even want to see their face. They just make me sick to my stomach. You'll realize how quickly, how close you are to being in Christ versus how far away you are. If you want to know how close you are to being in Christ, don't judge it by how spiritual you feel. Judge it by how you handle other people. Because how you handle people determines how close you're walking with Christ. There's no other way to look at it. Look at this scripture. This is powerful. It's in the same book that Ryan read from. God's purposes was to use the church. Go back a scripture. I think we jumped ahead one. There it is. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, get ready, we have fellowship with each other. And then what happens in fellowship? The blood of Jesus cleanses us. In other words, the way I know the work of Christ in my life is in fellowship with you because in fellowship with you, I realize, oh my God, i got to be cleansed because you irritate me. Ugh, I thought I was better than that. Ugh. And then all of a sudden, I've got to deal with people, people that are different than me, people that look different than me and think different than me. And God, in some weird way, gets giddy going, this was a great plan. And I'm like, this was not a great plan. I just want to hang out with people that look like me, think like me, smell like me, and reason like me. But that is not the masterpiece. That's your local club. That, that is not. That, that, that's the Lions Club. That, that, that's what people in the world do. That's your political party. We were never designed to be a political party. We were never designed to, let's just all get the same color and vote for the same president and, and belong to the same club and all think the same way. That's how racism gets started. It's how all these perverted systems get in. Is simply because we all think that we should all think alike and be alike. But that's not what God, God says, well, I'm going to put you in fellowship with each other. And, and then the, the reason I'm going to do that is it's the only way you'll really understand the power of what Jesus did for you. It's the only way. Now look at the scripture in Ephesians 2. It's where it gets interesting. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety with all the unseen rulers and authority in heavenly places, this was his eternal plan. Before you ever got here, before there was ever a pastor that hurt you, before there was ever a church member or people that wounded you, before we ever had denominations and determined can women really preach or not, and can you wear makeup or not, and do you speak in tongues or not, or do you believe in healing or not, and the gifts are here before any of that we messed up. There was this eternal plan that God would use the church to display this masterpiece of Christ. This right here, these six sections, would be how God would display to the world the unlimited grace of Jesus Christ. We are a masterpiece sitting on this corner. We're a group of believers that come together. And God said it wasn't just Mark's idea. None of us would have thought this up. 
You want to know what we think up, just go look at all the clubs you can join. We don't think this up. Democrats, Republicans, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, broken, hurt, divorced, miserable, happy, fat, skinny. All of us in one area and we're not killing each other. We have people we don't like, people we do like, we come together. We would have never thought of that. But God thought the best thing I can do is stick all of you in a room together, put you all different colors, all different places, all different stories, all different testimonies with all different backgrounds, throw you in a room together and let you learn how to grow together and in that I will get the glory. Now, because that was his eternal plan, you better know that the enemy is going to work overtime to mess that up. Because last week we said the way God gets the masterpiece to be clear is he gives us a husband and a wife, a marriage. But when we mess that up, he said, I don't worry because really all along it's been the church I've been working toward. So here's the problem though. Here's the thought. What we label today as the church, First Methodist, First Baptist, Believers, Chapel Hill, Crossroads, Full Turn, how we label them with our logos, our t-shirts, our bumper stickers, our mugs, our pins, everything we do to brand you to our thing, which is cool. I don't have a problem with that. But if we're not careful, the church becomes an earthly religious organization. And you, you have to join it. And if you'll give me your money, you can move up the ladder and have more control. And if you're super spiritual, you might get to lead. Which is, I have no problem with that if that's what people want to do. But the problem has become from the eternal masterpiece plan of the church of us doing it together to the time we've been in charge of it, I would just go out on a limb here and we have blown it. Not everybody. I can't speak for everybody. I just can speak for what I see and what I know is that this thing called the church has turned into an organization a 501c3 that I can get tax exemption and if you'll give me money, I can help you not pay as many taxes. <laughs> and it's really not about you anymore anyway. I have a debt to pay on this building, so what I would like all of you to do is sign a card of how much you will pay to help me pay this off. And I love all of you, but if I don't have a lot of butts in the seat, I don't feel as important, so I need more butts in the seat. I don't know if your lives are changing, but it makes me feel better about myself if the building is full. Because I have a debt to pay, and, and just to help you out, your offering is my salary, so help a brother. <laughs> and that's the earthly organization. I don't mean this to sound rude. I don't want it to sound rude. I have no heart in me to be rude. If this building goes away tomorrow, I will be out in that field on Sunday morning meeting with whoever wants to show up to still do what we got to do. 
And if for some reason the money's not enough to give me and Robin a salary, she'll tell me, you're going to Home Depot to get a job. And I will say, I will do that. Because I know this about God's church. If you just let him do what he does, you never lack a thing. You always have power. But when it becomes about buildings and it becomes about agendas and it becomes about programs of, 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 of the way we do it, the, the way we brand you to us. As a matter of fact, you can't even go to another church because I'll get mad if you do. You can't belong to the, the weirdness. You can't even go to another church and let another man be your pastor because I just won't speak to you to be too rude if I see you in the community. Listen, if you want to leave here and go somewhere else, it's real easy. You take me to Mexican. You say, preacher, I'm leaving your church. And I'm going to go, man, I hate that. I'll have an enchilada. And, he, and, and if you leave, you're paying. I mean, the reality is, you, I don't own you. You're owned by God. And if God wants you to go to Crossroads or God wants you to go to Full Turn or God wants you to go First Methodist, wherever you go, I win. If you're in the kingdom, we're working for the same daddy, I win. And that is where I think we've lost what it means to be the church. We've lost what it means. But it was to be the earthly display of the masterpiece. Us sitting beside one another was to be the display of the masterpiece. Us doing life together. Now I want to tell you something real quickly. Go to the next slide. This is, gets interesting here. This is the best way that I can put it together to make sense in my brain. So I threw my brain up there. That's how simple my brain is right there. In Christ means that us are the colors. The people. My prayer is right now if you look around you, hopefully you will see people of all different colors. Some light, some dark, some super dark, some super light. Some you wonder if they're even alive. <laughs> but if we're all white, if we're all black, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because we all have our cultural way we love to do church. But the reality is when we see it is that we're all a different color what matters more is not the style of music or preaching, but it's where God wants me to be on the canvas. So the beautiful thing is everybody in here is a color. Own it. Now by color, I mean your race, your skin color. It's a gift of God. Own it. If you're white, be glad. If you're black, be glad. If you're Hispanic, be glad. If you're brown, be glad. All the different colors, red and yellow, black and white. We sang it to our kids years ago. They are precious in His sight. You're a color. God did that for a reason. He, he wanted to look at His kids and see all these colors and, and, and say that's the beauty of being in Christ is all these colors can come together. Despite the kind of music or kind of preaching, they all felt called to one location. And in that calling to one location, they begin to express who I am. 
But you're not only a color in skin, you're a color in life experience. All of us bring a color to the table here. It's your life story. Everybody's story has a color. Your story's beautiful. The problem is, is we, we begin to think that my color doesn't line up. And I'm not talking about your skin color. I'm talking about your life story, your guilts, your shames, your hurts, your abuses, your, your exes, your, your lovers, your past, your, all the things we would be ashamed of. And God said, that's what I want to all come together. I want the addicts. I want the broken. I want the prostitutes. I want the, I want the, you know, the, the perverts and the racists and all the people with the problems. I want to get them all in a building together. I want all their different stories. And I want to put them in there because all these random stories of our random failures and our random stupid actions that we do and the things we're ashamed of, God's like, get over it. I want to put you all in a room because I want you to come in a room and rather than feeling shame, I want you to give praise of what I've done in you. I want you to stand up and go, that once was me, but now I'm this over here. That's the color. You bring a color to this church. I've worked, you know, Robin and I, I don't, this may sound braggadocious, I, I don't mean it to be. Robin and I have worked really hard to create a place on the corner where your color fits in. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I try to be smart enough that everybody in this room who is a color of race also has a color of a story. But the beautiful thing about that is all of our colors are on a journey. All of us are on a journey. Not everybody's at the same level of spirituality. Some are still struggling with addiction. Some still have a lot of hurt to get over. Some are still have walls put around them. Some still kind of hate church, not sure about it. I've been so hurt before by preachers. Ugh, I don't know. Some, some are struggling with their sexual identity. Some are struggling in their marriages. Some are struggling with finances. And we all come together in this room. But when I get ticked off at you because I don't like where you are in your journey, I start messing up the colors. Not everybody in the room is going to be at the same location. That's a club. We, the body, are all over the spectrum. We have mature and immature. We have mothers, we have babies. We have fathers, we have babies. We're all over the place. We have some carnal people, we have some not so carnal people. We have some super holy people. We have some people that are almost cousin to the devil. Just <laughs> all in the same room. All of us trying to love Jesus. But if I get ticked at you the moment you go, you know, I'm struggling with my sexual identity. Well, my God, you just need to get out of here then. We don't need no lesbians and gays in the house. Get out. Well, I'm just struggling with my... And, and all we do is eh, 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 and, and bark scriptures at each other. What the Bible says, what the Bible says, what the Bible says. And I say to that, well, sure the Bible says, but, but the beauty is we're all over the spectrum. And Robin and I have worked hard to say we're good with that. I like the super godly holy people that inspire me to be a better man. 
But I also love the people coming in the door that are ticked at God and don't even know if they love him. I love both of them. I love these people because they make me want to be a better man. They make me want to be a better husband. They make me want to be a better father. I'm inspired by them. Most of them are in their 80s. Because they've already been there, done that, they've earned the scars. But I also am desperately passionate when I sit down next to a teenager that says, I think I'm non-binary and I don't know. I'm just as passionate to say that's okay if you'll stay in the game and let me keep helping you know Jesus. I can help you find who you are in Christ. But if I kick you out the door because you're an alcoholic, if I kick you out the door because you're addicted to porn, then what's this thing all about anyway? Is it only about the super holy that keep our arms crossed? And and really, we're not that holy. We're just good at faking it. I mean, I'm just being honest. I just don't know many, maybe six, who are probably just really holy. The rest of us just fake it really well. And you know you fake it because you won't even have me over to watch football with you because you cuss the TV. You know Alabama and Georgia's playing next week. Don't call the preacher over. Yeah, I won't be able to cuss and get drunk. You want to throw stuff at your TV? That's fine. You're stupid, but it's fine. Not my TV, yours. But I love you. And Robin and I both stand here to want you to know we love you regardless. I love you if you've been hurt. I love you if you're broken. I love you if you're just Superman and woman. I just decided when we came here that I did not want the fire department to outdo the love of God in God's people. Because in the fire department, we had each other's back regardless. And I realized that that really wasn't so in the church. We had your back, but with a knife. And I told Robin when we got here, I want to build a church where anybody can come in the room and feel like we love them. Because we know you're on a journey and we know your color is really unique and we're okay with that. Because what we're working toward is a masterpiece. That's why the New Testament will say things like, older ladies, you should be teaching these younger ladies. Because their color is, can get confused and not be so bright. Because they realize, I don't feel like I make a difference. And you older men should teach the younger men because us younger men get confused that we don't really make a difference. And... I don't really have to show up. I don't really have to go. I can just watch it on a video at best. Now that's just the colors. That's just us learning how to, I don't want to say tolerate. It's it's us learning how to accept all of us in the journey of being in Christ. And if you're a jerk about it, we'll hurt so many people that nobody knew will ever come. Because they'll say things, it's just full of hypocrites. I don't want to go there. I already tried church once before. Ugh, don't even like it. Ugh. And I would say, that's probably true if you're talking about just an earthly organization. 
So if we're not honest with each other, and the honesty is this, no matter how long we've been on this corner, we'll never be perfect. And the moment we get perfect, we're dying. Because if there's no new life and brokenness coming in the door, then we're going to die off soon. Because any organism that's living has to have new life coming in as old life dies off. And it's the new colors coming in the door. Well, they took my seat. <laughs> I just want to go over and tell them that they didn't wear deodorant today. I, you've been over there and smelt them? Oh, my God. They just, ugh. They just came up. Oh, oh, and don't let that man hug me. He hugs me gross. Ugh, he hugs me too tight. Ugh. I just, I just feel like every time he hugs me. Right? It's just, it's just the awkwardness of people. And I'll help you. Some of us have bad breath. Some of us need to use secret. Strong enough for a man, made for a woman. Use it. Fellas, use it. It works. Some of you look like you've been sucking on lemons, mad at everybody. It's okay. Hang out long enough, we'll get you smiling. Enjoy life. That's the colors. Now let's talk about the canvas. The canvas is not you being at home with the five people you love doing a Bible study. That's not the canvas. That's a Bible study. The canvas is you're put with a group of people that really just bring out all of the crevices of your life and make you deal with the things you don't want to deal with and make you see the things in you that you've been hiding for a long time. So when we talk fellowship, we're not talking small groups. If you ever want to see fellowship in small groups, just log in and see... Old people meet on Monday <laughs> at 7. Young adults meet on Wednesday. Unmarried with no children, praise God, meet on Thursday. <laughs> like, like we so like hanging out with people like us that that's the name of my group. The name of my parents' group, the seniors. What, you don't like us young people? You know, but it's because whether life or kids or married or not married or divorce groups or divorce care or, or drug addicted groups to get better or whatever it is, those are great and they help us, but that's not fellowship. Fellowship is all of those coming into the same room and the old people there and the young people there and the stinky people there and the kids who are there and the parents that bring in the crying baby that irritates me. Oh my God. Don't they know that there's a place to take that crying baby? Oh, I can't even pay attention. They're over there bouncing that baby. <laughs> That's the canvas. And you better know that the devil has worked overtime to destroy the canvas. Because once you're in the canvas, somebody hurts your feelings. Somebody didn't speak to you. Somebody looked at you funny. Somebody forgot to call you. The preacher forgot it was your birthday. 
the pastor preached something you didn't like. They sang music. You, it's the canvas that's the issue. And it bothers us all. And if you want to know how powerful the canvas is, open up the phone book. Well, they don't have those anymore, do they? <laughs> I just had a moment of flashback. They don't even know what a phone book is. They're like, a phone book? <laughs> Google churches in Douglasville. There's a canvas everywhere. But you will never be the masterpiece. This, this is for somebody. You will never be the masterpiece if you don't stay long enough for your color to dry. If God paints you and you leave before you dry, it's not God's fault if you're still broken, messed up. Because it's not the color that's the problem. Here's what I think. It's staying around long enough to dry on the canvas. Because as I'm drying, I don't like the color next to me. As I'm drying, I don't see the masterpiece. I just see my color and the colors that are around me. It's too blurry to back away and see it all. So that oftentimes on the canvas, I don't see the whole story. I just see my color and I'm irritated. And so God puts me in a body and then all of a sudden I'm offended. So I start erasing my paint. I don't want to be here. I don't like these people. Nothing. I'm going to go somewhere else. And God's like, okay, cool. And so you pop up and God takes the brush back out of his pocket and, okay, let's see. Oh, Mark hated the color. He didn't want to be there. So I'll put him down here on the shin. <laughs> Some of us have been painted all over the body and are never happy. So my, my heart today is, if you want to be in Christ, you got to plant long enough to dry. Now in the drying comes the pain. Because as you dry, you will realize that everybody in this room are human. You will realize in the drying that we all have our issues. All God's chilling got issues. You will realize in the drying that they're immature and they're mature people. You will realize in the drying time how God has been dealing with you to deal with you and you don't want to deal with you. It's the drying time that perfects us. And I'll help you in the drying time, if you're looking for, for perfection, you will never dry. If you're looking for everybody to make you happy, you will never dry. The drying includes irritable, irritations, frustrations, people. And God's like, yes. Because in dealing with all of that, it matures you to understand how to be like me. And then the easiest parts are Christ is the artist and the cleansing is what he does. It's the first two that are hard. I put that up there because I want you to know in Christ it's not God's fault. Where you are right now isn't his fault. I would say most of us, if we want to determine where we are, somewhere in the color or somewhere in the canvas, it went wrong. 
and we're either mad at people or mad at churches or mad at organizations or and we can't plant long enough and we and that's what we call the church. Let me give you a few scriptures of how to deal with the canvas. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we should surely love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if Meaning even God knows that being on the canvas is difficult. If we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression. If you stay on the canvas long enough without running, every time you're hurt or offended or disillusioned or tired, if you'll stay long enough on the canvas to dry, you will understand what it means to have the full expression of God's love in your life. And for those of us that have stayed around one body a long time, does it not mature you? It matures you. Here's another scripture to show how we get along in the canvas. For we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life. So we, if you want to stay on the canvas long enough, have to give up our lives. In other words, when you walk on to 2981 Bomar Road, it's no longer about you, it's about us. All of us together. It's about all of us. Our individuality sits behind the individuality of the body. I'm part of the body, but I'm not a whole of the body. And when we begin to love each other, watch what it says, verse 17. So if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, and now we realize how do we get along on the canvas. It's the one word that I think sums up how we stay on the canvas a long time. It's compassion. Compassion is a weird word. Compassion is... uh, Mark, as Robin often jokes, we go into Atlanta on a date and I see a homeless person and I give them money. And I feel very compassionate. That would probably qualify as compassion. I give a hungry person a meal. I want to go feed people on Thanksgiving Day. Those are compassionate things. But it's not compassion here. This compassion is not you writing a check and getting away with it. This compassion is not me... Uh, you know, on Monday feeding the, you know, helping to feed people out there. That's not this compassion. This compassion is long-term relationship compassion where you don't get away with just writing a check because you have to see them every week and you have to do life with them. And that requires that I have to die to me. How do I die to me in compassion? Here's the verse. But dear children, let's not just merely say it. Let's show it. Let's show it. It's easy to say we love you, but then let's show it. Let's show it to the person that's hurting. Let's show it to the person that's confused. Let's show it to the person that's broken. What would happen, and again, I don't want to braggadocious here. What would happen if, if we just all hung out for committed for two years? I'm not going anywhere for two years. I'm going to stay here, man, and I'm going to grit my teeth, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to... Think about this church has been here 35 years. In 35 years, we're 70, 80% full. 
But in 35 years of being here, thousands upon thousands have come and have gone. Where do they go? I don't know. Other churches? Probably. What would happen if we just all stayed around? Well, within a couple of weeks, we'd be full. and a couple of other weeks, we'd be more full. And we'd have to add more services, meaning more of us begin to work together. But when you care about people coming in the door... So what I would like to say to you, I don't know what God has for my future. I, I wish he would tell me. It would be so cool. But I tell you what I know, and I know Robin knows. I want to die old here. I want to watch your children grow up. I not only want to marry you, I want to marry your grandkids. Because I think there's beauty in that. I think there's beauty in going remember when and we're talking about 20 years ago, not last week. That there's something beautiful about growing old together. There's something beautiful to look at Chase and go, I remember he's 692 now. I remember when he was this big. Because he's been going here his whole life. And now I walk over and hug him and it's like I'm in his belly button. I'm like, oh man. There's something really cool about watching a young man go from his mother's arms to sitting over there listening to me preach when he heard my dad preach and my mom preach. And there's something great. I look over and see Leslie every week. And I didn't get to know Leslie when she was this little. I got to know her in her teen years. But I look at her now and I know her life story and I know what she's passionate about. And I get excited about growing old with her and watching her sitting over there one day with all of her grandkids rolling around. And go and remember when, and we're talking about when she was a teenager. There's just something neat about that. There's something really cool about just sucking it up and growing old together. And this is not a call to join this church. This is not a call to, to try to boost the roster. This is my passion of understanding that I want the church to be more than an organization. I want to be a family. But all of us know that even when our family was over at Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, that's so much work. <laughs> but but isn't, isn't it the work worth it? Isn't the work worth it? To see Sam Hilton, I don't know where Sam is today. There's just something in me that when I see Sam, and Sam was a meth addict, and I see him, and he, he's just like, and I watch him, and he's just winning everybody to the Lord. Pastor, could you tell me how to win Satan to Christ? I know I can do it. <laughs> I talk to Sam, and I just feel like, oh, I want that passion because Sam just gives me, oh, I want to go win the world. We need that. But at the same time, having the conversations of, I don't think our marriage is going to make it. At the same time, having the conversation, my kid's a lesbian and I don't know what to do. At the same time, having the conversations, I got a terrible report and the doctor said it's hopeless. At the same time, to be watching football and get a text that says, Pastor, could you please call us now? My wife is sick and nervous. Those kind of things move me. Because to be sitting there watching Alabama potentially lose <laughs> and getting a text that says, could you call as soon as, and thinking, hey, I will, but i got to watch this. 
I want you to know I love you so much that I mute the TV. I want you to think I'm all that godly. I have the ability to watch them and talk at the same time. All right, tell me what you want me to pray for. All right, you're sick. All right, I'm about ready to pray. Ready? All right, bow your head and close your eyes. <laughs> I don't want you to think I'm all godly. But as we do life together, I will say this to you, and I pray you hear it, and I will close with this thought, and I want you to hear it well. Robin and I work hard to have a home that will love everybody. And number two, you don't bother me. So stop saying it. I just feel like I bother you. I don't want to bother you. I'm so sorry. Please, you don't. I love all of you. Do you irritate me? Yes. But you don't bother me. I mean, I would be lying if I didn't think you again. You don't bother me. You don't irritate me. I love you. I love helping you in your journey. I'm not going to condemn you if you're broken. I love helping you. Robin loves helping you. We love watching you grow in Christ. But if you don't stay around long enough and you don't dry on the canvas and you become a victim and blame everybody else, you will never be to understand what it means to be in Christ. Would you stand up with me? Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message. 